All right, welcome back to Thoughts from the Cheap Seats. Uh, we've been gone for quite some time. You know, holidays uh, have not been killing ducks, that's for sure. Uh, I've been traveling, and we can't wait to catch you up on it. Enjoy. All right, and up next we have Coach Cody Figure from BYU. We recorded it um, a while back, just now getting it out there. I enjoyed it. He's got some pretty cool stories. He's one of the hardest working guys I've ever met. Uh, used to be my boss, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, here it is. What's up? What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm doing great, brother. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. What you, you, uh, you watching your alumni right now, number nine, Utah? I'm not. Uh, we got uh, we had a scrimmage or we had an exhibition last night. And okay. Now I'm now I'm just watching that, and then we we got a game on Tuesday. So who did y'all scrimmage last night? We played um, UT Tyler. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a little exhibition. We got we got a friend who's the head coach there. Oh, okay. So they they came to y'all. Yeah. That's big time. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. You know, doing like every other millennial right now and starting a podcast. You know, <laughs> me and every other basic white man around here. Coach, I'm just going to take up 10, 15 minutes of your time, if you don't mind. I got a few yeah. questions for you. First off, you know, you've been, you've kind of bounced around. You've done, you kind of live in the, uh, the, the managerial start dream. You know, you're, you're a manager at Utah and, and you've, you've yeah. been around uh, Louisiana Tech and, you did Cal Riverside, and, and now you are an assistant coach at BYU. What is your uh, – what's your end goal? Is it to be a head coach, an AD, uh, the WAC president, you know? <laughs> no, that's a great question. No, my, my goal is to be a head coach, you know. I was at, um, you know, four years at Utah Valley, and my boss got, you know, BYU. Mark Pope, he got the head coaching job at BYU, right. and I actually – Finished second in that deal to get Utah Valley, so I was close. But it's not like a bank and things like that. This coaching profession is a little bit different. How you get jobs, so it's very um, different. I didn't know you were still, second still in working that. Working on that. That's awesome, though. I mean, you're you're relatively young in the coaching game. You know, from you know yeah. from that tech staff that I worked under. You know, Dusty May just got his first first gig. He's going into second year at Florida Atlantic. You've got you doing well at BYU. Obviously, you know, working up the ranks and whatnot. You were a manager. Obviously, like myself, I worked under you. You worked under quite the character and Coach Rick Majerus at Utah as a video coordinator, manager. We all have managerial stories of the crazy stuff we had to do. What is the craziest thing either you experienced or had to do that you can share with us on the radio? Um, <laughs> um, let, me, let me think about it. Yeah. Um, you want the craziest story of things I – I, uh, I mean, probably one of my favorite stories, or do you want just like, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, of a, a crazy thing he did. I mean, he always did crazy stuff, right? I mean, right. um, all right. I, I can, I can tell you one, one kind of crazy story. Um, we are playing, I hope this is i I'm not going to swear. I hope this is okay for the radio. Oh yeah. Get after it. Yeah. You can swear. <laughs> So, so we're, um, this is after practice and this was like a, 
man, this is probably every, you know, every other day or, you know, things like that where um, after practice, you know, we'd be walking up the tunnel, Coach Jarris' car would be me and him, and, you know, at some point he'd be like, oh, man, I got I to gotta go to the bathroom really bad after practice. I said, okay, you know, that, that's great, you know, and we'd walk and we'd get to his car and it, his back tire – you know, it's over in the middle of campus, right? So anybody who's walking around at, you know, 5 p.m. on campus, you know, around the Huntsman Center at the time, can see this, right? He he, he pulled his pants down and just would pee on his back tire. <laughs> and uh, and he'd, he'd be like, hey, Cody, be on the lookout. Let me know if anyone's coming. I'd be like, all right, yeah, yeah. somebody's coming. And he'd be like, oh, oh, oh. And he tried to, I don't know what he was trying to do, but... <laughs> I'm sure he got a ton of piss on himself at the time. But oh, he, man. That's what he did just about every other day. He was a character. Like, just hearing, you know, I've heard the other off-air stories from you and, and ones you've show, you've shared with Kyle. Kyle's told me it, the guy was wild and would just, oh, like, man. do anything and say anything. <laughs> yes, he I mean, was. a lot of it you don't even want to share. Like, it, it's yeah. just super awkward. I mean, like, you know, when I worked there, obviously, like, we kept a uh, – I don't know if you know about this or not, but, well, you know, Casey Allen was there before me as a manager and Kyle was there, and they kept a quote book. Are you aware of the quote book? I am. I oh, am yeah. a little bit. So I found it in there, and uh, when everybody was moving, I took it, and, I, you know, I put it in the rifle hands. I gave it to Casey and Kyle. and uh-huh. uh, But one of the quotes that I uh, added on there was Coach Rupp. The kids kept – guys kept turning it over or something, and he said – probably mother F, you know, right before F, if you're going to turn it over, at least throw it off the backboard and let us rebound it. And I have like <laughs> legitimately said that to kids before, like, look, man, if you're going to freak out, if you're going to turn it over, at least just chunk it off the backboard. We may got a shot to get yep. it then. But man, I was like, yeah, that's, it's like halfway true to tell high school or junior high athletes. You were at Utah for four years as a manager and developed a uh, relationship with an eventual NBA star and champion, Andrew Bogut. Could you Mm-hmm. So, like, I have this – I just remember there being a picture of you guys in your office. What's that relationship? I mean, he's – yeah, he's still one of my close best friends. And uh, he was in my wedding, and then I was also in his wedding about three years ago now. So oh, wow. we stayed really close. Um, I actually went to two of the finals games last year. He got me tickets. And, uh, you know, I, I've been to multiple finals games, and – he gives me uh, kind of those passes to get down, and I'm sitting next to, you know, Steph Curry's mom and wife yeah. and all that stuff. So it's it's a pretty neat deal. So how does relationship with him? How does that go? I mean, you were a student manager. He came in from Australia. Did he play high school in the states, or did he come straight from? No. He came uh, straight from Australia, where uh, Australia Institute of Sport. It's where Matthew Delladova, all the right. big time players in Australia, play there, and. Um, yeah, I came out to Utah and we just got along right away and, you know, stayed close for a long time. And he was at, with the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, mm-hmm. you know, when he was drafted number one and that's where I'm from. So we had a, you know, another close relationship. He'd come over on Christmas, things like that. And that's awesome. You know, we just stayed in contact and it's been great. He, he's a loyal guy. So it's awesome. I forget you're from Milwaukee, big Packers guy. Yeah, huge. We're playing well right now. They are playing insanely well. Aaron Rodgers is that guy again. Him and Matt LaFleur. I think he actually likes LaFleur. Unlike McCarthy, he hated McCarthy, I felt like. Yes, he did. I've got on here, I saw where you've been been kind of working with the Jazz for the past 
or you did for three straight summers working on like their pre-draft classes and whatnot. Did you get to work with Donovan Mitchell in that draft class? I did not. Oh man. So no, I missed that one. He uh, so I was there 2014 for their pre-draft workout, and that's the year they drafted Rodney Hood and Dante Exum. Yep. And you know they had guys like Aaron Gordon fly in. I mean, it was like over 60 guys. And the other thing I did with them is the free agent mini camp. So basically, the Jazz had two spots left uh, in the roster, and you know they flew 30, 32 guys, and they had coaches from all over the country. One from um, Arizona, one from Florida State, myself, and they also had one coach that was from uh, Germany. Oh wow! So yeah, all four of us. Who's the national team coach at Germany in Germany? So all four of us kind of took a, took eight guys and, you know, just played games and helped them and uh, coached them. And, you know, we there was guys like Tyler Hansborough. You know, there's all different kinds of guys trying to make that league still. Yeah. It was a really unbelievable uh, camp. Um, What's that like then, as, as an assistant? Like, do they take to what you're saying? Well, I mean, obviously, oh, like – Oh, no, 100% they're open to yeah. it because – because the Jazz are gonna be like, hey, how was he? Is he able? Is he a good person? Is he? Are we able to coach him? Like we sat down with the GM at the end of the whole thing, and he'd be asking us questions about those guys on our roster. Right. It was a pretty neat deal. Right. That. That's that's crazy to think about the inside. You know, like we preached our kids at the junior high or high school level, like. It's a lot about skill, but it's your attitude as well, how well you take coaching. And the, some kids don't want to hear it; they just don't. They don't believe that. But to hear that coming from you. Those guys that are NBA guys, they could just say, well, this guy's not on staff here. What's he know? But, like, they're listening to every little thing that you have to say. And then because, I mean, obviously you have the ear of the GM as well, so uh, exactly. kind of helps out. Yeah, but. I mean, because, like, I mean, come on, we all know the top 20-some guys in the league right. and everybody else is kind of like pick. And, you know, that guys like Javal McGee, who is a superstar in college, he's just hanging on a roster by the, you know, by a thread here. And so he's – clapping and he's a great teammate things like yeah. that that's that's all the stuff they're looking for on those last couple spots in that roster okay so that, that's kind of like what i've always thought i've always thought like okay this 12th guy on your roster he's not as good as this guy who's a free agent but i guess what you're saying is maybe he's a way better teammate way better locker room guy 100 percent. he's like having another coach that's why juan howard i guess bounced around and uh who did lebron take from from team to team was it uh jones james jones the shooter uh, yeah, James Jones. Yeah, he would kind of bounce around with LeBron, and it was just like, man, he just, you know, he seems like all he can do is shoot. But I mean, when you know, when you're a good teammate or what out, whatever, I guess that everything else kind of works out for you. That matters. I mean, I mean, who doesn't want that job? Just right. not play, just clap yeah. and get paid. You know, <laughs> you're you're basically the backup quarterback. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're a backup quarterback. That's my. That's what I want to be. You know, or that's what I should have been. I should have just tried to. Throwing a good slant and a good out route and been a backup quarterback in college, wore a headset, got all the gear. There you go. Should have been me. I'd have been <laughs> needed to grow a little bit, but now with guys like Kyler, you know, and Russell doing it for me. Us five eight guys. You got the speed. Yeah, I got the speed. Used to. You know, us five eight guys could can make a living doing that. But anyways, coach, uh man, I appreciate it. We're gonna have to have you on again. Uh, I know you're a busy guy. I know with the uh NCAA basketball season coming up, now you got a bunch of film to break down. Good luck to you guys. You got some support here still from North L.A. for sure. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Thanks. Hey, I, thanks. I appreciate it, Coach. Yep, see you, bro.
All right, that was Coach Figure. Uh, shout out, Coach Figure. Thanks for being on. Uh, we have not had an episode, it, Jacob. It's just me and Jacob tonight. Warren and Jacob. What up? We have not had an episode in a very long time. Way too long. Way too long. People have been asking. They're like, hey, am so, I missing him? Did you block me? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but we'll unblock you yourself. All kinds of people. All kinds of people. So we're giving the people what they wanted. Uh, we were actually, I was holding out for a contract. So uh, now all my friends are paying me to get back on here. So I'm back. <laughs> uh, now a lot's happened. Um, NFL, NFL playoffs, a uh, few UFC fights. Um, Zion's back. Ooh. <coughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. So let's start, let's start like as far back as we can go. We'll talk about, let's talk about a little Saints football. Oh. You being from Michigan, you don't get to talk about football, successful football a lot. No, never. So we'll talk about some almost successful football. <laughs> Saints um, kind of got screwed. Again. Got screwed. Our schedule sucks, and it's our fault that we lost. We lost to San Fran in a close one. Um, and then we blew it against Atlanta. And then early season lost to the Rams, obviously, when Breeze got hurt. And, you know, being 13-3 and and still having to play in wild card weekend kind of sucks. Um, but, I mean, it's yeah, just how things shaped up, I guess. I don't know how often that actually happens. And remember, wasn't there a year where somebody made the playoffs? They were wild. I think they were wild card. No, they were division. They were a division champion. And they had a losing record. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. Probably, probably from the NFC East with the Cowboys, Eagles. No, it was um, AFC West. Yeah, I was about to say or AFC West with Seahawks, Cardinals, yep. all those guys. Yeah, forty nine teams. We were literally an inch out. Now, when I say inch out, meaning if that guy in Seattle would have scored that touchdown at the end of the game against Seattle, San Fran, we'd have been like the two seed or something other like that, and uh, we'd have actually gotten a home game against who knows, but. We flat out got dominated by the Vikings. The Vikings did play the best I'd ever seen them play, and it was the worst game of the year for the Saints. Kind of just a perfect storm. Uh, really no excuses. Uh, you know, the game shouldn't have went into overtime. We should not have ever been put in that situation. Now, I, here's the here's the game changer here. You got to put Taysom Hill in at quarterback. I just don't believe that. No, you don't. But okay, you, but you like, do need more. You do need more Taysom Hill. I think we got as much Taysom Hill as we possibly can. And see, like, all the people that are truly, like, Taysom, Taysom should have played quarterback. Drew's sucking. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> no, like, you got to dance with the girl that brought you there. And he's kind of like, he is who he is because of how he plays. Like, he is good because they only use him in certain situations. They use Somebody him as a decoy. Him. Yeah, they yeah. use him in a, as a decoy. He's not a great quarterback. He's an okay quarterback. Yeah. That's why he's not even the – He's, what, the third string? And Most NFL teams don't even have a third string quarterback on the roster. But because he's such a utility knife. Yeah, he's there. You know, they're like, oh, that's how he made the roster spot. Yeah. It's, as a quote-unquote quarterback, wide receiver, whatever. Because he's not, he's not really the best at any of those. He's no. just good enough to be able to slide in, and he just makes the best of his opportunities. Right. I'm going to talk about this. I have two things here. The ball that Taysom threw – and it's a long time ago, but I remember like it was yesterday. I was there, humble, you know, just humble brag. Brag. Oh yeah, humble you were at, you were at the you were at the playoff. I was game. at the game, and whenever he threw it, whenever he threw it, he like threw it kind of short, and it, it was off. It was it was not that great of a throw. He just got a little got a little lucky, a little luck on your side. 
you know, but luck is when skill meets preparation. Am I right? Can I get amen from the amen. coaches in the back? That's right. But anyways, I think that Taysom Hill is Tim Tebow. Like, Tim Tebow could have very easily been Taysom Hill. Oh. And most likely better. The yeah. dude's won a playoff game as a quarterback. Yeah. I so haven't that, thought about that. That's my big thing is, like, they asked Tim Tebow to do that, and he wouldn't do that. He's too proud. I want to play quarterback. No, no, no. Well, enjoy double-A baseball because that's where he's at now. <laughs> I mean, he's making plenty of money. Just got married. Congrats, Tebow. I'm sure he's listening. Uh, but, yeah, so Saints season's kind of over, and ironically, uh, we weren't great. And then in overtime, Kyle Rudolph has probably, I mean, one of the more obvious push-offs. Uh, in the end zone, and when he caught it, the entire Superdome was just silent. And there's just no way as well. I'm sure Arrowhead is so loud. I'm sure every sporting event is so loud. Like, I know without a shadow of a doubt, the loudest thing I've ever been a part of is that Superdome that Sunday. It was wild. I looked at my wife, and we could barely, like, conversate when the Vikings had the ball. And it was obviously, you know, a big deal. Like, when Jared Goff was there in the NFC Championship the, the past year, um, um, Nick with the Eagles, Nick Foles, like, those, you know, you see him covering up their helmets, same thing, Kirk Cousins. But, man, Kirk Cousins balled out. He threw dime after dime, and we just sucked. Well, and, when you get a push-off like that. But, yeah, that one was not great. That was not great. But that's not why we lost. And it's like, I, yeah, I think that, I, I watched it. I think I was at work. I might have been at work. And I was watching it, and I saw it, and I just my mouth hit the floor, and I was like, "Are they? Is it? That really just happened?" Yeah, and then they don't, and like, what's the reason we have the rule? Oh yeah, it's because the Saints got screwed in the NFC Championship. We literally have a rule because they got screwed in the NFC Championship in the playoffs, and the game was, you know, somewhat dictated by it. This one, we kind of deserved it. We sucked the whole game, but still. It's like you can't even look at it. Like just, just look. I know. Just look at it. You just gotta look at it. Just look. Just look at it. Would you look at this? Look at that. Just check it out. Like that's the only reason the rules there. Uh, New York, but the refs ran off the field. Everybody in the Superdome. Not everybody. Not me. Uh, not Coach Parker as well. Threw stuff at them. It was not a good look for New Orleans. But I mean, what do you expect? It's New Orleans. Uh, it's Louisiana. A lot of people were drunk at three o'clock. You know, on a Sunday, like they didn't have to work the next day. Um, <laughs> Which that's again New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, but yeah, it just wasn't a good look. It was an unsettling feeling. You know, we spend the whole weekend in New Orleans. You're just hyped. We're a ten and a half point favorite. You're like, man, you're going to get to see potentially the year. Uh, you know, another another Super Bowl. Uh, just did not pan out at all. Did not pan out. They go on to get drummed. Brum. I mean, drummed by the Niners. They being the Vikings. Saw that one coming. The the 49ers are a well-oiled machine. And, like, the Chiefs are so – now well, I guess we'll just go right into the Super Bowl. You okay with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Super Bowl, Niners look like a well-oiled machine. And then the Chiefs, on the other hand, like, I think they – is it weird to say, like, they're more likely to lose. I think they're as good, but more likely to lose just because Mahomes just goes off. Yeah, they're – I think the Chiefs – will probably lose the game. But then everybody Ra- around the NFL... Than, rather, it, than, rather than the 49ers winning win it, the game. 
Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good sports quote. But see, like that's that's what I think too. I think the 49ers are solid. Jimmy G only had to throw the ball like six times against the Packers, something like ridiculous because their O-line and the running back they picked up off the street is incredible and, you know, had like a billion yards and four touchdowns. And it's like that – they just do what they're supposed to do well. Like they don't have to do a lot because they are pretty dang good. Whereas the Chiefs are down 24 to nothing um, – you know, to the Texans, and then, you know, they, they pull it out of their butt. They kill it. I mean, they pull a lot out of their butt. I mean, they went like 50-something to 20-something or something like that. It was wild. It's like they don't start playing until they're down. Yeah, that was wild. It's like, oh, that's a pun- oh, slap in the face. And the NFL's the longest game of all time. <laughs> they had plenty of time. They're like, all right, I guess it's now Now it's time to start playing. Now that we're down, we, we spotted them 10 points. Let's go ahead and start playing. Which is wild. But what I'm – what I the, like the most – Exciting thing about this Super Bowl is that one coach is going to get the monkey off their back. Like, it's either going to be Andy Reid, not a Super Bowl champion, been there with the Eagles, a uh, longtime coach, you know, throughout the league, not a Super Bowl champion head coach, because I think he was an assistant coach when the Packers won. He was a quarterback coach. Oh, I can't yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. Uh, but he's finally – either he's going to win it. It's going to be great. I love Andy Reid. Or Kyle Shanahan. I mean, the OC, when he was up 28-3 and couldn't dial up a play to just, like <laughs> – I don't know, get a first down. Yeah, get a first down, run the clock out. I don't know, it was god-awful. but uh, So, either one of them is going to be awesome. Now, the loser of this game, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough on you there for uh, at least another year until maybe you make it back or prove yourself or whatever. So, I think – I really don't know what my pick is for the game. I really don't because it's like which which Mahomes is showing up but, I mean, he's been pretty dang solid, so it's hard to bet against him. And then if you go – because last time I looked at it, it was, I think, Niners by two, Chiefs by two. It was real close. And the Niners, on the other hand, are just like – just a, they're just a machine. That's what they are. They both have good defenses. Solid defenses. I'm, I'm really excited to see, like, Sherman having to possibly man somebody up. And it may be Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins – it's gonna have. It's gonna come down. It's literally. I think what it's gonna come down to is if Kansas City's offense plays very well. Like if they come out and they're potent. If if it's just a an average game for them, I, I think I think the Niners win. I think if they come out and they play their best games that they've played all. You know, because they, they've had some really good games this year yep. where their offense has been literally unstoppable. But then they've just been kind of okay. I think if they come in, if their offense is just okay, they're going to lose. Thanks. Uh, so, moving on, we've had a former guest. Let's talk about that for a second, just for a second. Uh, a former guest get his UFC debut within the past couple weeks. Uh, Mr. O'Day Osborne uh, fought in the Conor McGregor fights. He was actually – this guy went one of the all-time moves ever. Like, all-time come up. He's going to fight. He's going to be the second fight of the night. And I don't know if our listeners watch UFC fights at 5 p.m. like we do, but there's no one there. It's like the two fighters' families and their support and then, like, some people up in the nosebleeds who, like, just I don't even know why they're there yet. (laughs) I'd rather watch them on TV at that point. You know, hang out somewhere, eat, have a drink, whatever. I wouldn't want to go sit in the arena and watch it. But anyways, there's no one there. He went from the second fight of the day to on the main card as you had to 
pay. Why? Yeah, you had to pay for the fight just to watch him. Not on like local television anymore. <clears throat> so kudos to him. Like that just goes that goes to show you what Dana White truly thinks of him. Uh, I'm not sure how many fights are in the contract that they signed, but I think he's got plenty of time. Um, you know, it may be a few months before he fights again. But man, I know this sounds really weird, but just from like the minute or two, because unfortunately the fight didn't last very long. But just from that time, the the dude's got potential to be great. Like, his hands are so fast. He is so fast. And he just kind of got, like, halfway taken down. And then, I mean... He just got caught in a bind. Yeah, lack of a better term, kind of had a brain fart. Like, it was not any type of wrestling move you see, like, or any kind of grappling move you see. In my opinion, I have no idea. I've been to a total zero days of Brazilian jiu-jitsu or anything like that. But... We just watch the sport, so we're experts. But he tried to get up and like just really exposed his neck. You know, you see guys when they get up in the UFC, they stay to the cage or they uh, put their head on the guy and like try to ease up. He just really exposed his neck trying to get up like it was just a playground fight. And uh, the guy got it. I mean. And, and that guy was a veteran. You know, Yeah. Like he saw that. Boom. Like he jumped right on it, stopped whatever he was trying to set up, jumped on that. And O'Day had to tap with his foot, you know, and it was over. But I know O'Day's going to come back. He's going to, you know, like the dude's got a great story. He's a great guy, uh, super positive. He's going to bounce back. He's going to come back and beat the living crap out of somebody. I can see it happening. Yeah, I felt really bad for him, but I know that, you know, the kind of man he is, is it's not going to affect him. He's going to he's going to stay positive, and he's going to come back even stronger and even better. And we're we're still rooting for him. We're still an O'Day O'Day podcast. Oh, huge O'Day. And then later on in that night. Conor McGregor with the most wild, like, knockout finish I've seen in a long time with the shoulder. Like, I you know you call them, like, shoulder punches, sh- shoulder shoulder hits. But, you know, he's, like, in a odd lock with Cowboy for a second and just hits him in the face with his shoulder. Wild. Blew my mind. Didn't even know that was a move. <laughs> um, but I would have just passed out if Conor would have started running at me. So, kudos to Cowboy. You know, and the, and the thing that everybody's saying is Conor's back and – and a lot of people have been talking about how how humble Conor McGregor was after that fight, and that it was. Every, I think he got more fans after that, you know, winning, dominating like that, and then being humble about it, you know, like really, you know, telling Cowboy like, man, you know, that was a great fight. You yeah, know, you did good. What if he's too humble though? <sighs> Maybe too much humble pie. Oh, too many humbles. I don't know. I think I think I'm I'm rooting for him. I'm a, oh no, I'm rooting I'm a, for him. I love him. He's probably my favorite fighter. I really enjoy watching him fight. But I mean, fighting is like a very. I mean, it is emotion. Like you hear Steve say all the time. He's like, I don't understand how when one guy knocks another out, and then you go to like hugging, or the fight's over, and you're like, Oh, I really respect you. Yeah, you and it is true. Me. Like, yeah, like I've never fought before, and it's like uh, if I did get in a fight. I don't plan on thanking the other guy, you know, for being a true competitor. Uh, but they do that. No, I got in one one real fight, and I was like 13. And I haven't gotten in a fight since because I'm 1-0. and <laughs> I do not want to. <laughs> I got lucky to get out of that one alive. I do not want to get into another one Yeah, and risk losing my record because then I'm going to have to get in another fight to, to get, get above 500. Record. Yeah, and then and then when you're 2 and 1 like, "Oh, you've only won one more fight than you lost." And you got to fight again and again or, and again, again. Or what if I go 1 and 2? Now I got to get now I got to fight two, two more, more times, times after that. Now I'm in five fights all because 
I lost one. That's so true. I'm not willing so, to. Yeah, so you got to be done. You got to be done. Yeah. And when you're 6'5", two pounds. Yeah, not a whole lot of people want to just jump up and fight you. No, Well, actually the opposite. Because you're big? People want to fight Cause you? Because I'm big. It's it's the weirdest thing. Like when I turned 21 and I would go out and stuff, I would just walk into like a, a, a bar or whatever and people would try to pick fights with me. It was the weird, like, and people were like, do you know who that is? I'm like, literally never seen that guy before in my life. That's just not, yeah. Being five, seven and a half, uh, myself, and you know, like, a lot of, not a lot of people surprisingly try to fight me. I remember one time in college, I started working out, and, and uh, <laughs> I went out, and I ran into this baseball player. We'd had some classes together, like, the beginning of college, and anyways, I saw him, and he, like, comes up to me, and he does, like, the whole, like, demeaning shoulder touch that guys do. You know, like, they put both hands on both your shoulders or standing in front of you. He's like, Warren, like, wham, like, hits my shoulders. He was like, dude, you're looking good, man. You're not looking like so much of a female dog anymore. What? Yeah, I was like, uh, thanks. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess that's why you're not here with a girl right now. You suck at compliments. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, anyways, yeah, it, yeah, that was a great compliment. Uh, D1 baseball player uh, commented to me on that. But anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, Connor won, blah, blah, blah. It's great. We got Alon coming up February 28th, I believe. Alon is a guy that we're super excited to watch again. This dude threw more kicks than uh, anybody I've ever seen. Like, it was absolutely insane. Threw he, more kicks than a Tybo class. There you go. And then in his fight, he finishes it, and he, like, does the whole – like, sign me, sign me to Dana. And Dana's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, shaking his head as the fight was, like, just had just ended. He hadn't even got his arm raised yet. And it's the first time Dana's ever been, like, that for sure. Like, it usually goes down on this contender series to, like, the last little bit. And they're like, you have or haven't made it to the UFC, blah, blah, blah. It's like a reality TV show. This one, he was like, no, that dude's going. Signing him right now. He's good to go. And we were for sure. Uh, but, yeah, Alon's a warrior. Uh, he's like – no big deal, Alon. I'm going to tag you in this when I put this on Twitter. I even might put the minutes you're on on here at 30 minutes or whatever it is now. Uh, you said if you won, you can take us on the party bus. Yes. So that's going to require you getting us tickets. Yes. Now, now here's what, and this is Alon. I know you're listening. This is the deal I'm willing to make you. Uh, I will not come to this fight. We'll watch it home. We'll tweet about it. We'll pub you. We'll get you to our tens of listeners, twenties of listeners, whatever it is, hundreds. And then on the next fight, you invite the whole Thoughts from the Cheap Seat squad. Squad. And you let me drive the party bus. What? Yeah. And then you let Tootie James DJ. What? Jacob, you can be the bouncer. I don't know what Matt and Steve bring to the table. They can just be there. I don't know. They're just good uh, looking. Yeah, they'll be our JC Penny model Steve and then just Matt, you know. <laughs> Macy's uh, model Matt. <laughs> yeah, Macy's model Matt. We'll sit them there and it'll be fantastic. So Alon, uh, that's for you, bud. Well, I can't wait to hear back from you. You can text me, no big deal. Um, other than that, the best news of all, the most exciting news of all, is Mr. Zion Williamson is the here. third. No. Oh, the he's first. Here. Yeah, I believe he's the first. He is here. Uh he is incredible. Oh, excuse me. He is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, like, people are all like, oh, he's just a bigger Julius Randle. You haven't seen him play. This dude could dunk on anyone. 
I just don't like. I feel like I'm the same size as him. Obviously, I'm not. You're not. I probably got a couple more lbs on me. He's two eighty five. Never mind. He's got a couple more lbs two, on me. Eight, he's a third heaviest player in the league, and he is jumping through people. And people's like, "Oh, he does this, this, this." Like, he doesn't have to do anything else because you're not. You haven't taken. They have yet to take anything away. If he gets the ball in the post and he's got one foot in the paint, and one foot out, it's over. Give him the two points. He just turns around and jumps up as high as he can, puts it in the goal, or he bullies you. How many? How many feet is he? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I really don't, I think, I think he's I don't, six, five, I don't, six, I don't, six. Yeah, because I don't think that he's, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think he's like 6'10 or 6'11. I think he's more like 6'7. Yeah, I think so. He's um, he's he's just a freak, man. And then like last night, today's Wednesday, they played last night, got a big win on the road. He, um, two wins in a row, actually beat Boston this past week, too. So, you know, he didn't get as many uh, as his stats or whatever. Like, he didn't get as many points. He didn't get as many rebounds as he, as he normally had. His averages came down a little bit. His first thing was, like, I'm not really worried about it. Like, we're trying to make the playoffs. I don't care how, that, how it happens. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But, like, that's good to see. That's good to see. Is like, he's a young guy. He's got his head on straight. He's only going to get better. He's 19, maybe 20 now. I think he's still 19, which is just wild. Like, well, he's only focused on making the playoffs because J.J. told him to. J.J., man. J.J. Reddick comes out and says players care more about what they wear to the game than the actual game and all this. Like, I get it, J.J. You're old. You feel like you're entitled. You're that angry old man at the coffee shop or at the gas station that these young whippersnappers don't do it right. They don't work as hard as you. I get that, and I love it, actually. Like, everybody needs that one just sour old man on their team, and that is him. Oh, yeah. He frustrates me sometimes to watch him play because, like, I'd watch him as a basketball fan before, and now I'm watching him as a Pelicans fan. And sometimes you're like, that's not smart. You know, like, you're not playing much D right there. But lately, I'd say the last 10 games that I've watched, he's turned it up. He's turned it up a notch. He's coming off the bench. He's utilizing his time out there. He's playing super hard. But, yeah, he's like that old guy at the coffee shop. Just gets mad. These young whippersnappers don't do it real well. You know, they don't do it right anymore. Um, Well, usually usually the old guy on the team is usually, like, the second string center or something, and, you know, like they don't really. It's true, use Jawan Howard, uh, Udonis Haslam. You know, the the, the guy that they usually like the five will go in, but then they'll go small, and so yep. they don't even really put in the backup five. So it's true. It's usually that guy. Yep. And every once in a while, you'll have the point guard. You know, who's like that. Yep. I'm excited to watch him play. I've watched every game since he's come back. I try to watch every Pel- Pelicans game. Period. Uh, went to two games over the break, over uh, my school break. Uh, we beat the Rockets, and we beat uh, the Pacers. Got to watch two wins. Got to watch the Holiday Brothers. The first time in the history of the NBA that three brothers all on the same court, which, I mean, I would to, to that I would say, obviously. Like, and you were there? Yeah, I was there. Did no you get big. their autographs? I didn't. Oh. I did. My boy Ben Sigmund did not come through. He's Drew Holiday's brother-in-law. Didn't come through. Or no. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember the, the thing. Uh, other, I mean, other important sports news. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, the death of my kind of childhood, I would just, yeah, I would legitimately say childhood, like idol sports idol for sure. Uh, Mr. Kobe Bryant, uh, and obviously those on his, uh, on his helicopter and his daughter and stuff. I'm even, like talking about it. And I know you, you know, before we got on, we said, we kind of say something about it. Uh, and it is, it's tough. It's tough to even get out. Uh, my childhood friend and I, Dadrian Harris, absolutely loved the dude. We would play basketball, uh, you know, in my driveway, and we always played for the Lakers. I was always the Derek Fisher. 
Daydream was always Kobe, and I hated it. But, I mean, I got to shoot a little bit. Uh, you know, we would always win Game 7 in the NBA Finals and this and that. And then uh, we'd go inside, we'd play NBA Live, and we had to, we'd be Lakers versus Lakers. And um, it was just wild. And we just kind of grew up idolizing that work ethic, uh, everything, everything about the dude. You can argue that, you know, you can say that he had some, you know, mess-ups or whatever uh, coming up. But what you can't argue is the love he had for his family and his work ethic and then what he just brought to the game of basketball, period. And I think a lot of it, uh, just even his last day on this planet Earth, his last two days really, um, are just just a great symbol of the man he was. Uh, you know, LeBron broke his all-time points uh, scored record on Saturday. He was like the first person, you know, to, to congratulate him. And, and LeBron and him had talked Saturday, and they talked Saturday night. They even talked Sunday morning about it, LeBron said. And, uh, you know, he even posts. And he was like, you know, appreciate what you bring to the game, LeBron. Keep bringing it. Just awesome words. And then Sunday the guy, um, you know, he passes away because – not because, but he passes away. His helicopter crashes. And they were like en route from uh, Gianni's – basketball or something like that like it was for his daughter yeah to to her basketball game yeah so it's just wild and like i've never once my dad called me and told me uh i hadn't seen it yet i was sitting up here it's sunday and uh i'd never been so sad for a person that i didn't even know which was weird and like i'm not a big like obviously a big cry guy or anything like that um but it still sucks man it it, and I mean, I'm the same way. Like, usually, you know, when somebody like that passes away, you know, somebody's famous, somebody's been in the public eye for a long time. I don't, I usually, I'm just like, mm. I mean. Like, Unfortunately, we don't bat an eye. You know, it doesn't really matter to me. But, like, a lot like you, I mean, and it kind of on the other side of it, I grew up always kind of against Kobe. That's true. Piston boy. Uh, right? Pistons. Yeah. And before that, before I moved to Michigan, I lived in California near Sacramento. And <laughs> and so I was Were you a Bibby guy? I was a, a Bibby, Bibby and Chris Weber. Yeah. Paja Stoyakovich. Hey, my boy Paige is from Divac. my homeland. You know that? Oh really? Yeah, no big deal, but I won't cut you off. Vladi Divac. Yeah. yeah. You know, all uh Mateen Cleves. Um trying to think of who else was on that. But I, I watched a lot of Sacramento Kings basketball. Yeah. And obviously in the West at that point the Kings were pretty good. Pretty good. And it was always Kings Lakers. Kings Lakers always in the Western Conference Finals or or wherever in the playoffs, and then, uh, but I was also a big Pistons fan because that's kind of where I'm from and all that. And so they had what two two fin- they met in the, met in the finals twice, two or three times. And, yeah. And so like I've always been against Kobe, but then when he passed, and I, somebody told me that I I was like, shut up, man, that ain't real. Like yeah, like that's another one of those fake things online. Yeah. yeah. And then I literally I pulled up my phone I. And Googled was, it. I obviously Googled it, and it was like 10 articles, and I went, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I, Same. you know, and I was hurt a little bit, but I was like, you know, man, am I feeling a little bit more emotional than I usually do when something like this happens? Like, that's kind of weird. And then it, I think it really, being a father, you know, the the whole, he was with his daughter and his daughter passing away too, and how much he, you know, in the public eye, you could tell, cared about his family, his kids, his I mean, his daughter's. And, and stuff like that like I you know I couldn't imagine you know being you know my son passing away and all that and I was it like it, it affected me a whole lot more 
you know and i thought about it today too like with all these people it's kind of weird when there's so many people that had had connections with him that are in the public eye who sees public figures um lebron um shaq uh rick fox i saw a couple things on him you know like just all these basketball players and public figures that um that had personal relationships with him like i couldn't imagine losing somebody that close to me and then like every person's reaction yeah is being a news story yeah. you know like i couldn't imagine like my one of my best friends passing away and then like if when i say something everybody in the world is like looking at it right and i i thought that was kind of crazy too like man let me you know let me hurt you know let me let me let me cope with it yeah, without like, everybody wanting to know what what is lebron saying you know what does right. lebron have to say about it yeah you know you shouldn't have to put out a public statement yeah, that's the you know that's the world we live in. We thrive we thrive off a ton of these people, um, and then like even my buddy Taylor, he lives in Los Angeles. He said that man, you can just feel it. Like you get out of the convenience store, you get the gas station, you walking up and down the street, like you can just feel the city of L.A. is just mourning the loss of this dude. But thoughts and prayers to the family, uh, and also the other families uh, that lost loved ones uh, in that tragedy, for sure. Uh, you know, while we're on the serious topic, why don't we just uh, go ahead and just break it out? Who are you voting for in twenty twenty? I'm kidding. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't president? don't answer that. Don't answer that. Uh, man, that's really all I got. Uh, I hate to end it on such like a sad note, but we've got to on the on a happier note. We've got to start making more time to get on here. Well, it's really just fun just to talk into a microphone. Yeah, make you feel like you're important. Oh yeah. Like like right now we're in the studio, aka my garage. Uh, my big screen TV in here stopped working, so we just awkwardly sit around a table and talk to one another for an hour or so. Uh, and it's really not all that bad. And now my dogs are in the background just going absolutely nuts. My wife's probably home, so uh, got to go. Friends got to go home, got to go to bed. Uh, <laughs> kidding. Uh, but anyways, yeah, we will hopefully see you guys next week. Um, hopefully have another guest working on some different guys. Uh, now the NFL is kind of down, or you know, obviously in the off season we can talk to more NFL guys. So fingers crossed that we got some guys lined up. In the meantime, enjoy this fantastic song by Tudith James. Woo-hoo. Gonna shake it for me, baby. Gonna get a little crazy. Gonna throw a tantrum. It's the Louisiana anthem. Gon' shake it for me, baby. Gon' get a little crazy. Gon' throw a tantrum. It's the Louisiana anthem. Baton Rouge, where you at? Shreveport, Lake Charlesville, Plant, Lafayette. Coming live from the gutter. Louisiana, baby, tell your mama that I love her. New Orleans bounce down here. Hand grenade, Bourbon Street. Can you hear it in your ear? Shake it for me, baby. Monroe, Thibodeau, beignets, gumbo. What's up, what's up, Drew Brees, can you hear me? Shout out the Saints, where he at, Bolger City? LSU, baby, and we never gon' stop. Never gon' flop, going straight to the top. Oh, what's up? Gon' shake it for me, baby. Gon' get a little crazy. Gon' throw a tantrum. It's the Louisiana anthem. Gon' shake it for me, baby. Gon' get a little crazy. Louisiana anthem. Nah, 
Let me ask you a question. Huh? Let me get a yeah. yeah. What I say the right answer. Do you like crawfish? Yeah. Water grow too. Yeah. Mama cook good. Yeah. Daddy don't play. Yeah. Louisiana baby work hard, play hard. And no, we ain't gotta buy you in our front yard. Raise your hand. Straight to God. You ain't from Louisiana. You don't know a blue song. Do you like gumbo, potato salad on the side? Sprinkle powder, sugar bean, yay. Or shampoo, yard. Nah, let me say it one time. If you're from Louisiana, stand up.